Okay, we are in Matthew chapter 28. And we are going to read the four accounts of the resurrection from the four different Gospels. The four accounts of the resurrection. And as I read through these accounts, what I'd like you to do is I would like you to try to pick out different things in your own mind, or if you want to jot them down, that's fine, but in your own mind, as we look at the different accounts, what's different about the four accounts that you can think of? And there's going to be a fair amount of reading, so um, anyway, we're going to start at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And its appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here, for he's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly, tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Okay, so now turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We're going to read from verse 1 through 11. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices, I'm sorry, uh, bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who's risen. I'm sorry, who's been crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and that he had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. Okay, let's turn over to Luke. Luke chapter 24, reading verse 1 through 12. Luke 24, 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, 
At early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women were with them and were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. Okay, finally, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're reading from verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they they uh, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following and entered the tomb and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been laid on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, they, who had first come to the tomb, then also entered and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures, that he must rise again from the dead. The disciples went away again into their homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. So as she wept, she stooped and she looked into the tomb. And she saw the two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried away, if you have, ca- have carried him away, tell me where have you laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. Okay, so that's the four accounts, the four gospel accounts. 
It is this very portion that causes people problems sometimes. And their problems are that they, it seems that to them that there are different stories being given here, different accounts. Let me tell you, I, I was, once had a, a, a person confess to me that they had committed a crime. And not just to me, the pastor of my church was there, and it was, we were in a different church, a different state at the time. And so this man confessed to my pastor and to myself a crime that he had committed. And this was a crime that, that, that could have put him in jail for, for 25 years. It was a very serious crime. And then a day or two later, he said that he never said those things to us because the police were on him and, and things happened. And so in court, my pastor got up and testified as to what he heard. And I was amazed at what my pastor was saying. The essence of the story was the same, that the man made the confession. But the details of what he said, the order in which he said it, and precisely the things that he did were quite different than what I had remembered. And so it had not been that long before. But still, the way I remembered it was very different. And to this day, I think that the way that I remembered it was the right way. Pastor was a little bit older and you know, maybe getting a bit forgetful. But what happens is that when you have two people view the same event, hear the same words, they report with different emphasis the different aspects that took place. That is exactly what happens. And historians know that. You and I who are not trained historians, I don't know, maybe some of you here are history majors and so you're okay. But um, uh, for those of us who aren't trained historians, we don't understand this and we say, why isn't everything the same? Why don't they report it exactly the same? Well, let's look at this and begin to, to think about these different stories. And let me just start with, with something that, that would spell it out a little bit differently. Now, let, let me make some background statements here on the slides. Here's, here's my family. There's Jim and Shireen Tour, and then we have these four children, Umbreen, Sabrina, Josiah, and Ben. So this will stay here, and so that you'll understand the context of the family. All right? So not, nothing confusing, right? You, you're with me so far? Okay. Jim, Shireen, and their children left the campsite and hiked up a mountain. All right? Nothing wrong with that statement. Shireen, Jim, and their children left the campsite and, and hiked up a mountain. Upon reaching the mountaintop, Jim saw a dragon in a lake. All right, that is a statement. That statement doesn't, doesn't uh, uh, render the first statement invalid. There's no incongruency between these two statements, right? So th there's a statement there, there's another statement. When the tours came back to Houston from the campsite, they told others about the dragon they had seen on the mountaintop. Okay? Three statements. Very simple. Well, there's a lot not told here. For example, Shireen, Jim, and their children left the campsite and hiked up a mountain. You could assume that we left holding our hands. We were all holding our hands. So here's Jim and Shireen, and then the kids are, you know, flanking us, and we're all holding hands. Walking up the mountain. Or it could be that 
Shireen left at 9 a.m. Jim left at 10 a.m. And the children came together at 11 a.m. Could be, right? The first statement doesn't tell us. So, if I come back and I say, oh, well, we hiked up separately. Could you come at me and say, oh, I know that's a lie. Because you said Shireen, Jim, and their children left the campsite and hiked up a mountain. No, this statement doesn't tell us how we went up that mountain and the order in which we, we went, correct? It could well be that we all went up separately. And this happens. You know, when we, when we got two cars in the family, we had so much more peace. We used to come to church together with one car. And we would, we would you know, get in the car and we would drive to church together. And there, there was always this tension. And I could never really figure it out. I mean, Shireen was in the house getting the kids ready, and all I'm doing is, is sitting in the driveway in the car honking the horn. What's the problem? You know, we've got to get to church. Just trying to hurry her along. And, and then when we got two cars, it made it much easier. Shireen could take her time putting on her makeup, getting the kids ready, and I could hop in the car and get here and do the things that I need to do. And now the whole thing is turned. Now she comes earlier to get the food ready, and I come later with the kids. So, you know, so, so, so now the thing is, uh, she says, well, how about you get the kids ready, and I'll stay in the driveway and honk the horn. How'd you like that? So, but, so just because we go to church doesn't mean we come exactly together. And so people see us at church, and they assume we come as one nice, happy family to church. We don't. We come in separate cars. Happily, in separate cars. But that's how we come. Alright? And, and uh, uh, you know, that's just the way families are. And you've all been in families, and my family's no different. Alright. Upon reaching the mountaintop, Jim saw a dragon in a lake. Did Shireen see the dragon? You don't know. We have no idea. She may have, she may not have. All we know is Jim saw a dragon in a lake. We don't know if Shireen saw it. You know, maybe it just popped up his head and went back down. That was it. That's all Jim saw. Did any of the children see it? Well, when the tours came back to Houston from the campsite, they told others about the dragon they had seen on the mountaintop. So who saw the dragon? The tours saw it, the dragon. How many of the tours? More than one. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, more than one. It has to be more than one. And one of the ones who saw it was Jim. And then it has to be more than one. So, so whether they all saw it or not, we don't know. So all of this makes sense. It's really pretty simple. This is, this is kindergarten, right? So we're, we're having kindergarten today. Let me tell you the problem. Is that, is that you guys spend so much energy learning you know, how to solve the most complex differential equations and, and uh, how to write these beautiful papers about Shakespeare. And you spend hours and hours doing this. But what happens is when people come to read the Bible, they, they take their brain out of their body and they put it aside and they start to read the Bible. You say, why do I say that? Because they don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, they'll spend... Four minutes reading it, and they say, oh, this is full of problems here. 
Well, maybe if you spent a little time with it, it wouldn't be a problem. So we're starting out very basic. Okay. Did Umbrain hike up a mountain? You think she did? Did she hike up the mountain? Yes? Maybe? I think maybe is the answer. Maybe she wasn't there. Those are my kids. I never said, none of these three statements says that all of them were with us. I mean, Umbreen lives in Israel. Alright, she happens to be home this week, but she lives in Israel. So we do a lot as a family without her. So I say, me and my family went and we did this. And then you find out Umbreen's in Israel and you're going to come back and say, you're a liar. Because your daughter's in Israel. And I know she wasn't with you. No, you know what I mean. I never said that all of my family... So we don't know. So did Umbreen go up the mountain? We don't know. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. Did the tours go together up the mountain? Maybe they did. Maybe we were all holding hands. You know? And skipping (laughs) up the mountain. We don't know. It's not made clear to us. Did Shireen ever see the dragon? Don't know. We have no idea if she ever saw the dragon. Did Shireen tell others about the dragon? We don't know. She may have, she may not have. From these three statements, you can't tell. There's, there's no indication. How many dragons did Jim see while on the mountaintop? What? At least one. Greater than or equal to one. That's it. We don't know anything else about this. This is very important because we're about to see where different Gospels talk about, you know, they saw two angels. She saw an angel. Well, this is an angel. This is two angels. There's a problem. Ah, the Bible's got a big error. Well, no. The Bible focused in on one of the two angels. I focused in. I actually, when I went up to the mountain, who knows? Maybe I saw one up there on the mountain top in a lake and the other one I saw in a tree. But I'm only focusing on the one in the tree. Because the one in the lake just stuck up its head and pulled it back down and it wasn't perfectly sure. You know, who who knows? This is very simple. We understand this. And so the three statements are internally consistent, yet there's much less left unspecified. There's a lot of stuff here that we're not told about. This is exactly what happens in the Gospel accounts. So you say, well, why didn't they tell the story the same way? They didn't want to. They were all focused in on a part of the story. And they're telling us a part of the story. And we get a composite view when we put the whole thing together. Okay, now let's start looking at the Scriptures. Matthew 28, 1 says this, Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn... Toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Two women are mentioned. That's it. Just two women are mentioned. Does it say there were no other women? No. It doesn't say there were no other women. It just specifies two women. That's it. That's all it specifies. And it says, as it began to dawn. That means as the light is coming up. As the light is just coming up. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Did they go together? We don't know. We don't know. Came to look at the grave. Maybe Mary went 
while it was still dark. And then her second visit when it was light. We just don't know. Based on what we learned about the tours and the dragon, doesn't this make sense? We just don't know from that statement. All right. Matthew 28.10 says, Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also, other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. Okay, so we, we, we hear one, two, three. There's three women mentioned plus others. We have no idea how many others. Right? No idea how many others. Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, which the Sabbath is on Saturday, when it was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, this is another woman, this is a a, a female name, Salome, brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Three women are mentioned. So it could well be that Salome is one of these other women that Matthew had mentioned. One of them was Salome. Maybe Matthew didn't know her name very well. Maybe he wasn't good with names. I mean, this happens to me all the time. I I forget people's names. And I ask them, what's your name? And they tell me. And as soon as they tell me, it's like a nanosecond and I've forgotten. I'm thinking, they just told me their name. Why can't I... Remember what they told me. Does that ever happen to you? You ask somebody their name and then, and then immediately you don't even remember their name. And, and unless I consciously somehow associate them with someone who I know quite well and you know, kind of put them with their arms around each other in my own mind, I forget their name. I forget my kids' names. It happens all the time. I once forgot my father's name. I did. I brought home some kids, some guys from college. We were passing through my hometown and, and we stopped in and, and I go to introduce these guys to my father and I'm like I forgot his name but I'm not used to saying his name I just call him dad and I, and I forgot his name you forget names sometimes anyway Luke 24 verse 10 now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna Mary the mother of James also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles so there's three women mentioned Not specifically Salome, but three women, plus some others. Salome may have been one of the others that he was talking about. And then in John, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. Uh Uh-oh, problem. While it was still dark, as it began to dawn. Is there a problem there? Well, maybe this was her first visit to the tomb, and that was her second. As we see in John, she runs up to the tomb... And then she goes and she gets Peter and John, and by that time, it's light. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. One woman only is mentioned. And we know from John that that, uh, Mary made two trips to the tomb at least. Two are mentioned. One time she came up, then she runs back, gets gets, uh, uh, Peter and John, and goes back up again. By that time, it may have been light. And this is why, while it was still dark, and remember when the, when the Sabbath is over. The Sabbath is over roughly around 6 p.m. on Saturday, because Sunday starts 6 p.m. Sunday. Because they go by this calendar, that, that by this, this clock that, that it starts around 6 p.m. It's actually when it gets dark to the point of having three stars. 
That's formally what it is. I don't know what happens when it's cloudy out, how they define when the day starts, but when the next day starts. So, remember, when you go to these sunrise services, it's too late. It's too late, because already when it was still dark, she went there and the stone was already rolled away. Alright, so the sunrise service is too late. You go, you go somewhere before it ever gets light on Sunday, is when he rose. Alright, some records of resurrection that raise questions. In Matthew 28, verse 5 and 6, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here, he's risen. The angel said to the women. It doesn't say how many angels are there, it says the angel. So, an angel said something. Mark 16, verse 5 and 6, Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe. And they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Behold, he is in the place where they laid him. Alright, so, so here it talks about an angel. Here it's a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe. Luke 24, verse 4 through 6. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Alright, so you got two men out here standing by them in dazzling apparel talking to them. Here you have an angel talking to them. Here you have a young man sitting. This is now inside the grave. So you may have had two out front and one sitting inside. Because we know from another part that one actually, when he rolled away the stone, he sat upon it. And it terrified the, 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 the soldiers so much that, that it says they were scared and they couldn't move. They were scared stiff, literally. They couldn't move. And this angel is, is sitting upon the, the, the stone that it happened to roll away. He's a pretty, pretty strong angel. And these guys are terrified. But all of these statements could certainly be consistent with one another. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you. This is Matthew 27, verse 7 and 8. Ahead of you in a Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they, meaning the women, left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. So some women ran when they heard this to report it to his disciples. All right, Mark, so, so uh, um, now Mark 16, verse 7 and 8. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they, meaning the women, said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Uh Uh-oh. Said nothing to anyone and ran to report it to his disciples. Uh Uh-oh. This is going to be a tough one. How are we going to deal with this? All right. So, what I've got here is... is, uh, on this next slide, is the account of what happens. This is one of several possible initial resurrection event scenarios that corroborates with the four gospel accounts. This is how it could have happened that corroborates with all of those accounts. And it's only one of several ways that you could piece this together. This is right. I've studied this. I've looked at it. I've worked through this for years. This is probably correct. 
But there are other, other things, uh, other ways that you can put all of these together such that they're correct. Women set out for the grave to anoint Jesus' body with spices. There are several women, including Mary Magdalene, Salome, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and one or more. So, so, so we, we have these are mentioned by name. Uh, Mary Magdalene, Salome, Joanna. So we've got one, two, three, four. One, two, three. Wait, one, two, three, four. And one more, because it talks about others. So we either have, we have to have greater than or equal to five women go. Mary departs earlier than the others or proceeds faster than the others. So maybe they all left when it was dark. Some got there as it was getting light. Mary got there before them. When you go hiking, have you ever gone hiking and you didn't all walk exactly together? I mean, some people, when you go hiking, it's like they're power walking and they just... You know, they're, they're up this mountain and then other people are just taking their time. This happens all the time, doesn't it? Doesn't it happen all the time when you go hiking, that you, when you go somewhere that you don't walk together in a group? You know, this happens. You, you, we, Shireen and I went with our family on a cruise a few years ago to Alaska and we get to this, they dropped us off this one place and we were going to go walk up this beautiful mountain and overlook this glacier. And so... Just as we're turning the corner behind this, this, uh, this station where the, the, the forest ranger hangs out, this woman forest ranger says to us, just uh, stay together as a group because you may see bears up on the mountain. And immediately, Shireen turned around and started going back down the hill. And Umbreen and Sabrina joined her. And... Me and Ben and Josiah, we all picked up sticks, and we were ready. <laughs> so we were just going to go, and we wanted to see a bear. I mean, we, this bear was going to run from us. And so the three of them actually went back the other way. But I'm telling you, even getting from the first 200 yards up to where this station was, where the, where the forest ranger was, there was a distance in just these 200 yards of about 150 yards between the males in the family and the females in the family. Already, over that short distance, because people walk at different paces. I go to the airport. This happens all the time. When we go to the airport, I always arrive at the terminal 20 minutes before Shireen ever gets there. And so I just make sure that she has a ticket. Why is that? It's because we're walking and I'm just looking back. And so I wait for her to catch up and I just walk and, you know, she's way behind. This happens with people and you're thinking, what kind of terrible husband is he? I'm not a bad husband. I just, just walk faster than she does. And the boys keep up with me. And the girls are back there with her. And every time they pass some shop, I mean, they stop. <laughs> They're looking. And I just want to get away before she gets hold of my wallet and she sees something. So I just move on ahead. Okay. So Mary departs earlier because it, it says when it was dark. And the others... Or she proceeds faster than the others and arrives at the grave while it's still dark and before the others arrive. And this is exactly what happens. She has to get there before the others arrive. Mary sees the stone rolled away and Jesus' body is missing. She sees no angels and no Jesus. This corroborates perfectly with what we read in John's Gospel. She immediately turns and runs, it says, to report this to Peter and John. 
So she runs down to report this to Peter and John. Before the other women ever get there, she's reporting this to Peter and John. While Mary is off getting Peter and John, the other women arrive at the tomb. The other women arriving now at the tomb see the stone rolled away, the angels telling them that Jesus is risen from the dead. Terrified, they flee and become scattered as they run. Say, why would they become scattered? Why wouldn't they? They are terrified. They come to the tomb, they see the stone rolled away, and now they see angels. You say, well, why didn't Mary see angels? Remember, angels can make themselves appear and make themselves disappear. They don't have to hide behind a rock. I mean, they have this ability. And and it it says that Jesus, they, they run telling them that Jesus is risen from the dead. Terrified, it says, they fled. When, say you have a group of women, say it's at least five women, well, maybe, well, we won't include Mary, so say we have five, maybe it's ten, maybe it's twenty women. And they run terrified through a garden. So there's all these trees, and it's, the sun is just coming up. Do you think they're going to hold hands as they run? We're really scared. Let's all hold hands and run together. You know how hard it is to run holding hands when there's trees in the way and stuff? So what do you do? So, so you scatter, right? So as you, you just scatter, running away. Sometime during the other women's, not including Mary, flight, they become divided, and Jesus appears to greater than one of them, but not all of them. He comforts those he appears to and tells them to tell the brethren, which they do. The other women who were fleeing and not present at this appearance of Jesus continue to run away and out of fear tell no one about the sightings, i.e. the moved stone and the angels at the tomb. You say, well, why wouldn't women tell anybody about it? Well, because when they tell people about it, they're not going to believe them anyway. Mary, remember, she ran and she told Peter and John they didn't believe her. And so they ran up to check themselves. Women had no legal standing in those days. Their testimony meant absolutely nothing. And you say, well, that's, that's kind of sexist. Well, too bad. That's just the way it is. I didn't, I didn't prescribe it that way. That's just the way it was. And so their testimony meant absolutely nothing. They could not testify in a trial. You say, well, why couldn't a woman testify if they saw it? Because their testimony meant nothing. It's like having a four-year-old testify in a trial. It's very hard to understand what the four-year-old is saying and are they really saying the truth or is they, they've made this up. So their testimony doesn't bear anything out. So a woman couldn't testify in a trial. So they're not, they're not going to be believed. But up here, the other women go and tell because they've been instructed specifically by Jesus to go and tell. So there's a group of women who tell, there's a group of women that don't tell. While the other women are in flight from the tomb... John and Peter arrive with Mary, likely running near them, but probably behind John and Peter. Remember, the Bible says that John outran Peter to the tomb. John outran Peter, got there first, looked in, but wouldn't go in. And I said, tomb, I don't want to... It's kind of creepy in there. He didn't want to go in. But Peter comes busting right in and goes in. That's just the way Peter is. And I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming Mary was running behind them. And why, why do I make this assumption? Because dresses and skirts and, and, and all the stuff, the paraphernalia that they have to take along with them makes them slower generally. Plus, we know guys run faster than girls, right? 
this is a joke. This is a joke. <laughs> Got some track folks back there. Some women's track team. <laughs> but um, it's just an assumption. So Peter and John, it says, see the grave clothes, but they see no angel and no Jesus. You know, it's something interesting about those grave co- clothes, in fact. It says, it says uh, uh, um, the two were running. This is in John 20, verse 4. The two were running together. And the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. He, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. You, you know, I, I, I think the Shroud of Turin is very fascinating, and it, it may well be from a person, but it probably is not Jesus based on this, because he was in linen wrappings. It was not a one-piece sort of thing. thing. It was wrappings, which was very common in those days. They would wrap, take another piece of linen, and wrap, take another piece. And it says specifically, in this Gospel, as well as in Luke, it talks about the linen wrappings. And now... What I find fascinating about this is, is the face cloth. So a separate cloth was over his face, and it wasn't with the linen wrappings, but it was rolled up, it says, um, by itself, separately. So, but rolled up in a place by itself. Jesus rose from the dead, and he made his bed. I mean, Jesus wouldn't even leave this place dirty. I mean, he knew people were going to be coming in here, and he made he rolled the stuff up. I don't know, maybe the angel picked it up after him. I don't know. But it was clean. I mean, the place wasn't even messy. Everything was in order when he rose from the dead. The wrappings were there. So Mary's left. So John, it says, John leaves for home believing. This is what we learn in Luke, while, while Peter leaves for home in amazement, or in bewilderment, it says. Mary is left standing at the tomb without John and Peter now. So she's standing there. Then Mary sees and hears the angels. Then she sees Jesus, first thinking him to be the gardener, until he calls her name. I mean, you wonder what Jesus was thinking. Here he's risen from the dead and she thinks he's the gardener. After seeing and hearing and clinging to Jesus, she runs to tell the disciples that she's seen him. Mary's seeing of Jesus occurred moments before his appearance in number six. So it may have occurred moments before, but it had to appear first, because the Bible says he appeared first to Mary. That was the first appearance. This matches up perfectly, and and most, most scholars who've looked at this will come up with a scenario that's actually very similar to this. Remember, when you read in the scriptures, you are reading a book that has been studied more than any other book, more than anything else in history, this book has been studied. If you think there's a mistake there, you're probably mistaken. Right? Read what some scholars have said about this. This book is so clear. But, if you read this book for ten minutes and make a judgment call about its inaccuracies, just think about what would happen if you did this with your book on, you you know, your advanced calculus or vector calculus or something. Just think about how it would be if you spent ten minutes with it. What would you think? Think about if you you took your organic chemistry book and spent ten minutes with it and thought, oh, this is a bunch of nonsense. 
No, you spend time with it and it begins to come together. The scriptures are internally extremely consistent. So consistent are they. So consistent that there is no problem here for historians. The problem is with lay people who don't know how to study these sort of things. So when I look at it, I don't understand. And remember, everybody's going to share a different part of the story. And all of it can come together. And all of this is very logical. And it makes sense. And this is the way things can come together. The scriptures can be studied. Let me leave you with this thought. And we'll we'll study more of this next time. But let me leave you with this thought. It says in verse, in, in, uh, uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then back in verse 17, he says to Mary, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Look at what Jesus does. He starts now including us. He says, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. He says to her, but go tell my brethren. He considers us his family. He says, go tell my brethren that I'm going to my Father and to your Father. Jesus himself considers us his brethren the ones that He wants to be with. This is who Jesus considers us, His brethren. And He says, just as this is my God and my Father, this is in like way your God and your Father. If you ever feel unwelcomed by God, this is your feeling and not the truth. Recently, my my son called me to his room and he said, he was really concerned. And he says, Dad, you know, you know, uh, you know how when you're a Christian, you're supposed to feel it, the Bible says? He says, no, I don't know that verse. He says, yeah, it's, it's like in First Peter. He says, we're supposed to feel it, that we're Christians? I said, if we're supposed to feel it, I'm in big trouble. Because a lot of times I don't feel it. And so I got out my little electronic concordance and I typed the word feel. And, you know, 8,000 references to feel. So we go to all the New Testament references. Nothing about being a Christian, feeling it. Nothing. He says, you mean we're not supposed to feel it? I said, no, not particularly. A lot of times I don't feel like a Christian. But I know I am because of what the Scriptures tell me. He goes, oh, Okay. You can go now. (laughs) That was it. You know, and and so I was able to play father for about three minutes. And then I was dismissed. Because he's a teenager. And that that was all he needed me for. But this is the way it is. Sometimes we think we're supposed to feel as if this is my father. Jesus said, this is your father. We are his brethren. Regardless of how we feel. This is who we are, regardless of how we feel. 
Jesus opened the door and he said, I go to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, and you're my brethren. This is the oneness of relationship we have. So if you don't feel it, remember, the feeling is one way. It's not God toward you. God toward you, it's very clear what the relationship is. If you have so received this Jesus into your heart, it is very clear what the relationship is. And you can so ask Him into your heart, and the relationship is there. And sometimes you will feel like it, and sometimes you won't feel like it. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and I have this glorious quiet time with God. And I feel like God is totally here. And then the next morning, same place, same Bible, same passage. And I'm like, God, are you even there? I don't feel like it. And my mind is racing on a million things. And I'm like, maybe he doesn't love me today. He loves me. It's not based on feeling. Jesus said, we are his brethren and he is our father. And that's what seals it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Word of God, for the clarity of the Word of God, for how true it is. Father, thank you for the things that are spoken and the way you have opened the door for us and the truth behind the Scriptures. Father, I thank you. Lord, I pray that you would take these young people and as they study the Scriptures, that they would see that these things are so and these things are true. And then bring this home to their hearts to realize that you consider them brothers and sisters and you consider them one with you having a Father in heaven. Father, I pray that you just bring this home to their hearts and bring them comfort. Especially, Lord, comfort in this time on the campus because of the loss of this student Father, I pray that you would draw young people to your Son as a result of this. In the name of Jesus, amen.